daddy worked there for, I don't know, during the forties and the fifties. And uh, of course, we talked the other day about the trains and hobos. And daddy talked about having to go out and pick up people in coffee sacks for the get cut up for the train. And uh, daddy said they had this one man and having his funeral and had him at the house up on the hill. And, and uh, the graveyard was on the other hill, so they had to go from the house down and back up. And uh, so they had the funeral at the house. They was coming out of the house, and uh, all of ours had a hold of the coffin they carried it. And Daddy said there was a great trouble for us there. So he said, uh, what are you doing to me? Let me down, let me down, let me out of here. <laughs> and he said, and he said well, didn't have to carry him down to Bob Hill, said everybody just went that way. And he said, the doctor never gotten away from there, Pete. He hit the hill on the other side. <laughs> that is a great story. I believe someone brought that in 57, didn't he, Yeah. There was one of those old boys up there, a captain up there, that uh, they actually did, Bobby Collinsworth did it, and uh, his brother-in-law, I'm trying to remember what his brother-in-law was, his count's wife, brother up there, he was uh, working for Pope Wendell, uh, worked at the post office, and he'd won a Silver Star in Vietnam, he won two or three big hero recognition. And they got up there one night, they had one of those old loafers in town over there, they liked to tell big stories all the time. And they weren't funny, nobody ever thought they was funny but him, but he'd tell these big old stories and he'd rear back and laugh and all. They taped him one day out in town. And when he died, they slipped in Porter's funeral home up there and slipped that tape recorder in their back of the coffin. And they said when he started telling that big tale, he started laughing, he cleared the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> They got them boys for some terrible people. You know, I mentioned the other day, we didn't even get around that last week because you all went to talk about Halloween, you know. Yeah. Some of the best stories and uh, they deal with right around, right around the graveyards and all that. Now, any of you know what a dumb bull is? Mm -hmm. Ladies, you don't know what a dumb bull is? A dumb bull? A dumb bull, that's just what it's called, D-U-M-B-B-U-L-L. -B -B okay, it's yeah. illegal to make one in the state of Kentucky. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a statute against it. But you can make them out of two or three different things. The best one, of course, is make one out of a nail keg. And you get you something like a piece of trot line, and you drill a little hole right in the end of the nail keg, you still got the bottom in it there. Run that string up there and tie a little lot on it, and take beeswax and rub that stuff down in that twine. And then you can stroke that thing, and it sounds like half the demons in hell cut loose <laughs> coming out of there. It makes all kinds of groanings and moanings. Now, if you don't have a nail keg, you can take yourself a mother's oats oatmeal box and make one out of smaller things. And people used to take those things, and people used to, everybody had a clothesline. And they'd take one end of that thing and tie it to the clothesline up there. So you can imagine what it'd sound like inside a house. You cut up one of those things. And it was nothing unusual for us good old boys around Halloween or something to make one out there around the graveyard. And 
uh, it was one of the people up there don't haul us yet over the thing that we did around that graveyard up there. But uh, they was uh, a bunch of Toledo Ohio, a bunch of Yankees moved in our camp right outside the cemetery there one time. They was gone the next morning. I think my favorite stunt I pulled on Uncle Jim. Now my Uncle Jim was about uh, he was six feet five or something like that, but if he ever straightened up he'd probably been six feet nine. And uh he had a brother that died when he was sixteen or six nine. And uh Uncle Jim was an awful coward. And he was afraid of shadow. And he was a little bit on the lazy side too, but he he worked on the railroad a lot. I think he worked with Deva's grandpa there and uh, uh he worked with Sherry's daddy there, well Sherry was there last week, you know, Sherry Butler. He worked with him and all, but he would goof around and uh, he's always late going getting his cows and stuff like that. And Dad jumped out. Dad was the biggest one in the whole bunch, biggest of the puddles, scaring him. He was getting some corn out of the crib there. Dad popped him right in the ribs with two corn cobs, told him to stick them up one night, and he passed out there to have them. Old man, he was always doing something crazy like that, and he helped us. We'd skin an old bull out there one day, and uh, we killed. And Dad, I saw him taking some willow sticks and forms. I couldn't figure out what he's up to. He didn't tell me for a while. But one night up with him, I had to go around the cliff over toward old Charles' place there and round up the cows. Bring him in every night. And it was raining one night, and Dad come help me, and I helped him drive around there. We went with that old uh, artificial bull we had there, and we set up right above the trail there. Here come Uncle Jim driving his old cows around through there. And, uh, uh, the cows stopped. They didn't want. They could see and smell us up in the bushes. They didn't want to go on. Uncle Jim. He got mad. He cranked one's tail and whacked it with a stick. And finally, they went on. Well, old man nodded at me, and as soon as they'd gone by, he pushed that old bull out in the trail right behind there and let out a big ball. Uncle Jim looked back, took one look at that thing. He took off like that out of hell. And he say, always said that he wasn't really scared. But I measured his steps or footprints in that muddy ground. They were nine feet feet. <laughs> <laughs> but the grand champion trick we pulled on him, we did one Halloween night. We had an old bridge down there across the creek, and we finally got one, and it uh, had a hole right in the middle of the thing, the floor, and it rotted, and it splintered, broke out, and all that stuff. Uncle Jim come up to there, and he had an old World War II Willie's Jeep. And he'd come over, and always he'd late, dark, I don't know, sitting there. on Halloween night, he supposed to brought all the kids up and everything, because we'd always go to each other's houses trick-or-treating and all this stuff. And this was not an original thought on my part. I'd read about it somewhere way back there. And I got down there on that bridge, and I had an old women's stock pull that thing over my head. Well, here come Uncle Jim down through there in his Jeep. I waited the headlights focused on that bridge, and I popped my head right through the hole. Boy, <laughs> he run out of the road and over in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> I got the egg out there. He never did know what. <laughs> but he had some pretty hairy stories to tell about. <laughs> I'm seeing now that's stocking over your head. <laughs> 
Oh, we would torture our little sister and brother. We had a bunkhouse out back. It was an old smokehouse. We bought it to the farm. It had a metal roof on it. And uh, Grandpa and Granny stayed there for about a year while we built our house over there. Had a metal roof on that house. And when all the cousins had come down visiting and everything, well, it was a big fight over who got to spend the night in the bunkhouse. And that popped it and stole and all that stuff. And my sisters and and some of her cousins there, they would outwind the rest of us. They usually get it out there. Now they just asking for trouble. We'd hook a dumb bull up to the clothesline uh, attached to it, or go out back and throw a chain up on that metal roof and let it roll off. There's all sorts of stuff like that. Man. Kids are meaner than Dickens in those days. You didn't have nothing else to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people now. One thing I wouldn't do. A lot of people would go out and cut trees across the road. Oh man, would have cut my hide if I'd ever done that. You don't do dangerous stuff like that. But now we did take an old farm wagon apart and put it uh, up on a barn roof and down uh, at the old Spencer place we called it. Lyle James Hobbs and I went down there and uh, Lyle died of Agent Orange poison. He done paid for his sins. I've got mine to account for yet. But we went down there and we didn't. That, that, Bunch lived in Indiana and everywhere else. We had no idea there was anybody there at that old big old two story white house way back in the woods behind our place. And we just had, we had us a, a bottle of muscatel and a chew of tobacco and we'd roam around and see what we'd get into that or coon dogs. And we'd come down an old place down there and rode down to it. There wasn't no lights in the house. And we didn't give any thought to anybody being there. And we just come to the conclusion it would be real funny to push that outhouse over in the pond. It was up on the bank of that pond. <laughs> and we just run up and give her a big shove right over the hill and went. And there was somebody in it? Man screaming his head. Fortunately <laughs> 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 for him and us all, the water was shallow. It was about all oh, anywhere from knee deep to waist deep. On the upper end of that pond. Well, what did he say? Did he? We didn't stay around right there. That's the one that didn't come out soon. <laughs> well, he probably couldn't figure out what he'd done with his gun. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, I have to sneak away, but I'll be back. I've got a point. You're about to come. I'll leave that going. We're the scouts. And uh, this lady, I can't remember her name, but she was our uh, den mother. And I lived in that house across from the car wash pond, one that's gone now, one that's torn down. And we'd go up there and have our meeting and everything after school, and then we'd climb up on the happy top. We'd go up there and play. We'd have eight or ten of boys, I guess. And uh, G.T. Blakey was uh, the police judge, and he had a junkyard there where the, that's across from where the city hall is now, for the restaurant and whatever, where Dr. Noble used to be, whatever you, whatever. Anyway, yeah, that was a big junkyard there, Blakey had the junkyard. We uh, had to talk. Of course, we didn't have anything. We'd climb trees and place two cars and all that stuff. And one day we got rolling rocks. We'd dig as big a rock as we could get. 
get it started, step on it, get it started rolling, and roll the problems down. So, oh, hopefully, let's skip a space down there somewhere. Oh, <coughs> we went up there three or four different times doing that. And of course, we kept getting braver and braver, getting bigger rocks and bigger rocks. And, and uh, so one went down on the hill by my you roll our other rock over this hill and I'm going to blow every one of you away. <laughs> well, we eat up. I'm going to scare this today. Who knows who's rolling rocks? Well, we finally wound around and we got back down to Miss Blakey's house and I was scared to death. Or she could have fun of what's wrong with us. We're talking nothing, we're just tired. So finally, we all went home. The next day, we was down to the junkyard. Mr. Blake, he said, boys, I'll tell you something. He said, old lady, so-and-so lives right down the road down there. And he said, she's a little bit off up here. He said, she come up here and said, there was somebody up on the top of rolling rocks off. And yesterday, a rock come off and went right through her toilet. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, he said, there's all kinds of rocks up on that hill. He said, them rocks just roll any time. He said, but he said, uh, now what about her? What about her saying that somebody was up there doing that? Well, we was all guilty of sin. And you know, that's the only thing he ever said to us. And we never in our life ever rolled another rock. <laughs> <laughs> he never accused us. That's all he said to us. But now, you were on Happy Top. Was it clear enough to roll a rock down Happy Top Hill? What do you mean clear enough? I mean, weren't you rolling? Yeah, I mean, you were up on Happy Top at the top. So, and you rolled them down to where that junkyard was, right? Well, we rolled them right to the railroad. Oh, okay. But it, it was clear enough that you could roll the rocks. I mean, I, it's hard for me to imagine that it was clear. It, it was clear. It was just like looking at the woods out through there. We get a rock up, we'd aim it between them trees and turn it loose. You know, it might go down there and hit a big tree and just flop over. But, but then, then others. You know, we, we, got, we got pretty good at it. We could aim it pretty good. <laughs> you know, give them a big push. Of course, you had to, and you could just roll any kind of rock. You had to have a certain kind of rock. Yeah. So did you know you hit this uh, privy? Well, I guess we did. I mean, no, we didn't know there was anything down there. Oh, okay. What if that woman had been in there? <laughs> <laughs> we always rode with right cars down now, down the hill. Like, uh, well, well then that would hit a privy, would it? We didn't have a tar, but we had them barrel hoops. But we didn't, we didn't take that stuff up. See, Happy Top, Happy Top's flat now, but... It was like this when we was up there. Okay. I mean, the first time we went up there, Glenn Atkins was our scout master. Well, I like about when and how did Happy Top get its name? I want to tell you right now. <clears throat> Glenn said, uh, boys right up there is Happy Top. And that's an old burial, Indian burial ground. And he said, the Indians up there, the spirit up there, he said, they'll talk to you. 
and they said that you always go up there and put the help and all you get up there and get up all the top of everything. So you just holler at him, hey Indian, what are you doing up here? And he'll say nothing. stories to tell us today? Any more good ones like him? <laughs> I should have brought my book. I got all my stories up now. I can't remember them up top of my head. Don't I, can, I can remember uh, I got a story about uh, we moved to Lexington one time. I was in middle school. or sixth or seventh grade. I don't remember for sure. And, you know, it was a big shock, you know, compared to here to going down there. And, uh, my teacher was black, you know, I've never really even seen a black person mm -hmm. before, been around them, but they introduced me to the class and I had to tell them my name, and they asked me where I lived at, and instead of telling them the house number and the street address, I told them I'd get there. I, said, <laughs> I told them, I said, well, so I live over yonder past Food Town. I said, you go across that big road there, and it's first road to the left is the last house on the left. <laughs> so they's all laughing, you know. I didn't know what they were laughing at at the time, you know. <laughs> well, I bet you wish the floor had opened up. Were you embarrassed? Well, no, I don't I know. Okay. I didn't know what they were laughing at. Where were you lived out? You know, you didn't have house numbers or street No, you, you, that's how you, around here you tell people how to yeah. get there. You go up the creek, turn right. Yeah. yeah. 
There was a boy with Linda's neck of the woods come up dating over out. Me and my roommate was working over at the plant over there, and we took him over there to get a job. Personnel manager asked him where he's from. He said, down home. <laughs> Is that where you got the name of your? Uh, <laughs> he, did, he, he, he lived about uh, fifty miles where his family lived over there. He did that. That took a lot of me down. <laughs> <laughs>